0: turn to Luke 8. Luke 8. You're going to want to watch this with your own eyes. If you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible. uh, Look on your phone, although whatever, I won't say it. Look on your phone. And we're in chapter 8. Why are we in chapter 8 of Luke? Isn't this to be the Christmas message? Well, we'll have a Christmas message, I guess. You know, I just feel like every week's a Christmas message. I mean, I know, we're in the spirit, whatever that means, although I want to be in the spirit, the Holy Spirit. But every week's a Christmas message. So, as you turn to Luke 8, I'm going to read you something that I think is the ultimate Christmas message. It's actually in the chapter we were reading uh, for communion, and that's this. To them God willed, verse 27, chapter 1 of Colossians, you don't have to turn there, But listen to this. This is is the message of the gospel. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, unbelievers. Here it is. You ready for it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, period. He came. He died for our sins. He rose again, and he sent the Spirit of Christ, into our hearts. Christ in us. So that now, listen to this, listen. We have hope in glory. What's coming, which is eternal life. Oh my. See, I think every message, every Sunday, is the Christmas message. It's that Jesus Christ would come here, not only the Son of God, but also the Son of Man. We'll see it here in a minute. And he came and now he lives in us. You you realize this, right? For those who are in Christ, check this out. I want you to know something. He's not just with us, he's in us. And we're in him. It's this intimate relationship of communion and abiding. Don't you want to be a great abider? Uh, Maybe a better way of saying it is: I just want to be a needy abider. (laughs) A needy abider. So that's what we're all about. We're about the Christmas message every week. And so we're just going through Luke chapter by chapter. So if you've shown up here, that's why we're doing this. Not because of a Christmas message, but because we're into, the, uh, into chapter 8. Friday, uh, Thursday night, it'll be more of a Christmas message, but really it'll just be more of the same. <laughs> so uh, come. What we'll do is uh, we're going to sing. We're going to sing Christmas carols unto the Lord. We'll do about a 15-minute message. Not an hour and 15 minute. And we'll sing at the end. We'll light their candles, silent night. Isn't that a great memory from when you were a kid? But just singing to the Lord. And then we'll go and uh, celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? Okay, here it comes. I'm going to read to you uh, chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 8, verses 1, all the way through to chapter 10, and then we'll pray, okay? And then we'll pray. Here it comes. The word of the Lord. Now it came to pass... Afterward, that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, wow and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others who provided for him from their substance. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried. Isn't that an amazing verse? He cried. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of God, but to the rest is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. I lied to you. I'm going to keep reading all the way to 15. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and those have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit quickly. It doesn't say quickly. It says with patience. So let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we need your help to understand these things. What is this all about? What are you saying to us, Lord? We have people who are here in the sanctuary and probably uh, online as well, from those who've maybe never picked up a Bible to those who've studied it all their life. Lord, all of us need to hear your word here by your spirit. We ask that you'd give us uh, what this means and give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been traveling through this doctor's book, this physician's book. He's a physician. You believe that? A physician. He gave it all up, but not really. He gave it all up for Jesus, but he used his talents, what God had given him, and he ministered with Paul in some of the journeys that he went on. We know that from uh, other places. In fact, in the book of Acts, it's really interesting, about halfway through the book of Acts, who Luke wrote, he goes, I'm never good with English, but he goes from uh, they and them to we. In other words, he was accompanying these people on these journeys, and he was a physician. He used that for his glory. But then, what God called him to to, was to be a great historian. And in the first chapter, we learn that he researched this thing meticulously. Interviews, talking with people, he researched this gospel. You can rely on it, is what he's telling you. And something really fascinating happens in the Greek The first four verses of the book of Luke are written in classical Greek, which means this guy was a smart, educated man. But then the rest of it is just regular Greek. So what he's telling us, even in the way he wrote that part, is that this word, these glad tidings, this good news, is for both the rich and the poor, for both this color and that color, for those That are this race or that race, this ethnicity or that ethnicity. It doesn't matter. This side of the tracks, this is the universal gospel that brings people together in a body, the body of Christ, whether rich or poor or whatever. In we're all equal in Christ Jesus. There aren't, you know, any distinctions. Now, what he does do, listen to this, is he takes what you know and have been trained in personally and uses them, those qualities for his glory, just like Dr. Luke. So, if you're uh, great at administration, well, great. Be a great administrator, (laughs) but do it for the Lord. If you're great at law, I'm not, but if you were great at law, be great in law for God's glory. If you're great in medicine, do that. If you work for waste management and pick up uh, the refuse do it as unto the Lord. And all of us come together. None of us look down on each other or up at each other. We're all the same in Christ Jesus. That's what this gospel is telling us. But we all come the same way through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not good enough to be a good person. In fact, the Bible shoots that all down. You can't be a good person and go to heaven. You will be a good person if you are going to heaven. Do you get the difference? You'll be good in this sense. He'll give you his righteousness. So track with me here. If you think church is about being good, you've missed the boat. He tells us it's not. It's not about being good. It's not about paying money. It's not about church attendance. Although you should come. Don't stop. It's not about any of those things. It's about the blood of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. That's what it's all about. Paul said, I wish I would have preached it more. I just concentrate. I just want to be about Jesus Christ at the cross and his resurrection and that power. I just want to tell people the realities of that. And listen, I got to tell you something. We're going to see it today. You know what the job of us as Christians are, in one sense, is to get people to pay attention. say it again. Now listen, it's the Lord's job. I know that. Don't send me an email and say you said it was your job, not the Lord's. I know it's the Lord's job. But as he fills you with your Holy Spirit, listen, we're going to see it today. It's just that we get people to pay attention to what the Lord has done. Why? You say, wait a minute. Fruit. I'm supposed to bear fruit, aren't I? Yes. What do you think fruit's for? So others can come and taste and be refreshed. Oh, well, wait a minute, I, see, I know the ministry, your ministry, I read it. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, you are a minister of reconciliation if you're in Christ. What does it mean? You reconcile men with God, and how do you do it? You point people to Jesus Christ. We're like one-string guitars, people. We just keep playing the same tune. We just want to get people to pay attention through our life and through our actions and through the word of God, just sh- uh, sharing the word, sharing the word. How do I know? I read this chapter. But I want you to see something as we go. We have been to this place where Jesus goes to his home churches. He goes to the synagogues. He, he does that. And it's, folks, it starts turning bad on him. It wasn't bad. I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't like shocked by it. But it starts turning bad for him. In fact, at his home church in Nazareth, he preaches the gospel, says, I'm the Messiah. They want to throw him off the cliff and kill him because he says the gospel is open to all people, not just Jews. They want to kill him. He goes next into another synagogue right after that, and this demoniac stands up and starts screaming at him. You think you've had bad church experiences. Jesus had the worst, and Jesus kept going. Uh Uh-oh. Even if it wasn't convenient, he went. And then, you know, he shifts into this teaching mode. And he starts teaching and drawing and, and calling these people. So he is teaching, but he gets disciples to follow him, and he teaches them in world li- real-life world experiences. He keeps teaching them the Word of God, Beatitudes, remember? Sermon on the Plain, we, we talked about this. But then he brings the people with him to do life with him. That's how he taught also, got it? And we said, didn't we? We should be being discipled by someone, but also discipling people. That's what we should be doing, all of us in the body of Christ. I don't care what church you go to. Being discipled by somebody and discipling others, right? Okay, now check this out. So now he gets done with the Beatitudes in chapter 6 of Luke, and guess what he does? He says, okay, now I want you to see it in real-life action, and that's chapter 7. That's chapter seven. I want you to see it in real life action. And then, as things have happened in the church, and he's talked to uh, his disciples and he's training them up, he says: just like what these Bible college students hated, there was tests. We're now, chapter 8, looking at the tests of the Word of God. You come in here, right? You go to your churches, and you, you gather up the information. Hey, man, where's, where's the Beatitudes in the Bible? Oh, Matthew 5, 6, 7. Oh, that's great. You know it, huh? Yeah, I memorized it last year. Oh, great. Great. But see, that's not all that the Lord's going to do. He's going to send you out into the world, and he's going to say, here's the test. So you say to yourself, oh man, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to read words like this. It's such a beautiful thing to hear this. Oh, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. What do you mean? When they exclude you and revile you and cast out your uh, your name as evil. Wow, that's such a beautiful thought and ideal. Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, a test is coming. And you know what the, the Lord says? Here's what's so amazing about the Lord. You know how, uh, like, in uh, real college, if you've, like, you know, I've got a kid in college. You guys got people. uh, We've got, you know, you went to college. You know, in some of those classes, like in the programs, if you fail some of, like nursing, if you fail some of the early classes, guess what happens? You're not just get an F for the class. You get thrown out of the program. Guess what the Lord says? Amazing, amazing. He, he watches in a good way, and a loving way, and, and he, he's seeing, are you passing? And you know me, maybe you know yourself, oh, I blew it. I didn't pass. You know what the Lord says? Let's try it again. We're going to get this until you pass. He doesn't throw you out. He doesn't throw you out of the program. And here we see the test, chapter 8. You say, "Well, wait a minute, it's about parables. Yes, he's going to give us a chapter that's heavily influenced or heavily talks about the Word of God. But then he shifts and the tests come. Here it comes. Look, I want you to see something first. Do you notice that the, the, the news, the, the gospel of the Lord is glad tidings? i got to tell you, folks, as 2020 rolls around, and I see Christians posting on uh, uh, Facebook, uh, uh, social media, sometimes I think they are, are sharing bad news or boring news or old news. The Lord's news are, is glad. You get what I'm saying? Your life is to be a life of gladness. Now, like I said earlier, yes, you grieve, you cry with people. Blessed are those who mourn. But, but there was something about Jesus who could mourn deeply for people, deeply. You're going to see it here in a minute. And still this gladness would fly out of him. And that's what we're to be. We're to share good news, not boring news. Well, I think that's good. That's about the best I have for today. And you aren't reacting. But what I'm saying is, listen, sometimes Christians act as if the good news is old news. It's not glad news. Ho-hum, we got to talk about he died for our sins and nobody's listening. Keep talking about it. Keep living it. It's glad. You You say, well, how do you have zeal? Well, you read Colossians 1 and you go, whoa, he did that for me. Be glad about it. It's the glad news. So he's bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? It's anywhere where Christ reigns. He is going to reign, folks, forever and ever here on this earth. He's coming soon for that. But now he reigns in the hearts and lives of people. It's anywhere where he finds people who want to seek out his will and do it. That's where he reigns. And that's what he's preaching, and he brings the 12. And if you were here with us, you saw, I got to tell you, if I'm picking the 12, like if I'm in charge of the draft, you know, like when you draft sports folks, I ain't picking these 12. He picks them, and that's such an encouragement because I'm like that. I'm, I screw up. I mess up, etc. But he also picks people who are different. Come on, church, we need to hear this. He picks people who are different. I see throughout this fall election season people who need to be exactly fit in this little box, and if they don't, you're not a Christian. That's not what I see in the gospel. You got Simon the Zealot. He wants to knife Matthew right in the back, literally with a knife. He carries him. He's a zealot. He's a, he's a guerrilla man, he's a guerrilla guy, he's a terrorist. Matthew's a traitor, and God the Lord calls them together and says, You're going to come together in me. Boy, that's a message for this fall. Oh, how about this? This is so beautiful. Then he calls the women together. Certain women, you probably blew by this. I blew by it for years. I caught it this week, I guess. Maybe I'd known it before, but certain women who had been healed by evil spirits and infirmities. <clears throat> yeah, great. Mary called Magdalene. That Magdala is a city in Galilee, so that's where she's from. She had these seven demons. Many people say she's a prostitute. Maybe she was. There's some in, uh, uh, inclination in the Greek that that might be, but there's never an outright uh, pe- place in the Bible that says Mary Magdalene was a, a prostitute. Anyway, she had been healed of seven demons, though, and then this is the one that gets you. <laughs> Can you hardly believe it? Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. And the word in the Greek is that Herod, the king over this area, who was an Idumean, who was a puppet of Rome, but also, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, a part of the people, but he was the king. He was the king over the area. He, he, not a nice guy. His steward, which means in the Greek financial overseer, so whoever Joanna was or whoever the steward was that she was married to, these people were rich, folks. They were the riches of the rich. She's the wife of Herod's steward. Listen! And she's following Jesus with Mary Magdalene. Rich, poor, demons, prostitution, galas, High society, it doesn't matter. All in one in Christ Jesus. We better watch the way we talk to others, man. Even when they disagree with us, we better watch. Listen, can we stand up for truth and be truthful people? Yes, we should be. Stand for right, yes. But we do it with grace and love and respect. Here they come together. It's amazing, these people who are here, both the 12 and the women. And they, listen to this, this, is maybe, this might be one of my favorite verses of the whole Bible. I'm going to tell you why. Jesus Christ, Son of God, he's both God, Son of man, both man. Here's the one upon which God the Father is going to lay all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, and pour out his wrath against it. That's coming at the cross. But for now, he's living as a man. He never stopped being God, but he put aside his rights and privileges to his deity while he's on the earth. And here it says that Susanna and many others provided for him from their substance. By the way, the word uh, provided, et cetera, there is deaconus, deaconess. They practically provided for Jesus. They were bringing soup and food and clothing and home to take a nap in. Listen, just practical ways they were ministering to Jesus. Now, here's where I get excited. You ever had somebody you try to give something to and they go like this? Oh, no. Give it to somebody else who needs it more than me. You ever said that? I said that. I want you to notice something here. Jesus Christ, who is all of God's grace sent to the world in grace, look at this, wasn't too proud to receive the grace of other people. Be careful about what I've had people actually say to me hey, could I pray for you? Oh, no, 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 no. Pray for people who are really sick or whatever. I really believe, I'm telling you, I really believe this, and it's convicting to me. The way in which we receive the kindness and love and gifts of others is the way in which we perceive the grace of God for our lives. Hold on now. So, so, so here, Jesus, who's both fully God and fully man, who is the vehicle God uses for all of the superior grace of all time, all God's riches and grace is found in Jesus Christ. All grace is found in him as he comes to live as a man. Look at this. He received from other people. He humbled himself. He, he, you understand God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud? Doesn't that convict you? Okay, next time somebody tries to give you something, remember this. Jesus received humbly. It's a a, a barometer of what you know and receive in grace, isn't it? You get what I'm trying to say? I'm not saying it very articulate. But sometimes the way in which you receive is an indicator of how graceful you are, just as much as how you give. Did you catch that? Because what happens is you say... What you're really saying when you put your arms out and go, no, 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 I don't need... You're just basically saying, I'm too proud to receive this. And God says, no, 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 no. He humbled himself even to the point of death, but not just death, death on the cross. So that the Lord would pour out all his grace and mercy on us, and he is it, the grace of God, and he's not too proud to receive grace, don't us? Don't you, don't me, don't us be too proud either. Okay. And when a great multitude had gathered and they'd come to him from every city, he spoke this parable. The first one, right? We know that what the seed is because he tells us the parable in verse 11. The seed is the word of God. Folks, you got some people who all they do is study the Word of God, stay in their little cocoons, and just, you know, every everything. Everything, man. Everything. I know it all. And they never venture out. And then you got some people who always venture out or always are experiential. They just want to experience the Lord, but they don't want to study God's Word. Here, he says there's four conditions for people in the world. The first condition, sower goes out to seed and he sows by the wayside. What's the wayside? In Palestine, during this time, they had paths, (laughs) listen, where everybody walked. And it was packed down. First of all, the, the soil in Palestine ain't that great anyway. And now you're on the pathways, the waysides, where everybody walks. You're not catching what I mean. When you have a heart concerned about what everybody else does, when you're walking where everybody else does, it's just what everybody is, you can come into the church, we can sow the seed, or somebody else can sow the seed, and listen to this, it falls by the wayside, and it's trampled down, and the birds of the air devour it, and in the chapter 12 or 13, the Lord tells you who the birds of the air are, it's Satan himself. Why does Satan want to keep you? What is the enemy of our souls who's real, folks? Whether you believe it or not, he's real. And he has an army of people that are trying to keep you from hearing the word of God. If you hear the word of God on good soil, it'll sprout unto eternal life and fruit. And he wants you to stay away from the word of God. It says it there. That's not me saying it. It's him saying it. Go to the word. That's where you'll find salvation. Romans tells us it's the p- power of of salvation don't be ashamed of it it's powerful for people so share the word of God you if you've never heard the word of God and you're just walking where everybody else walks you know what everybody in the world says that stuff's nuts what are you doing you'd go to a Wednesday night service are you kidding me you study the Bible in the morning at your desk what that's the wayside that's where everybody walks that's just fall away all right some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. You know what I wrote in my Bible right there? Rah, rah. You get them in the church all the time, folks like this. They come, they hear, their ears are like, what? I never knew this was in the Bible. This is so awesome. I'll be here every week. Two weeks. Three weeks, shot out, you never see him again. And here he says, the ones on the rock are those who, verse 13, when they hear, receive the word with joy, but there's no root. They believe for a while, and what takes it away? Check it out. Temptation. There's all kinds of temptation, millions. I could I give you millions of examples, but temptations are like this, not just you know, the hot fudge Sunday temptation. Or the pornography temptation, real, both real. You know what there's a great temptation to do? Complain against God. Lack of faith. It's a great temptation. Just talk amongst yourselves for a while. You'll detect it in here. Let's eliminate that from here. Yes, we can be uh, real people. I'm hurting today. I don't feel well. That's not complaining. When you say, I don't feel well, and it's God's fault, and you know when you say that. You might not say it that way, but you know when you say it. Okay, now you've just jumped over. Here he says there's a temptation that just takes people away. Oh, the joy, the joy, the joy. And then two weeks into it, Bill comes that they weren't expecting. Pfft, the Lord doesn't care for me at all. A sickness comes that they weren't expecting. Lord doesn't care for me at all. Hmm, that's a temptation, you see it? Or uh, other temptations. Okay, here's the fourth, or third one. Boy, is this America or what? And some, verse 7, fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Well, go back over to the explanation that Jesus gives us. Now, the one, verse 14, that fell among thorns, this is great because the soil, the heart was good. Listen, it was so good that good stuff's popping up, but so are thorns. You catch it? So the soil's doing pretty good. I'm not a gardener. There's just one house up by us. I just got to tell you this real quick. One year this house went from I mean weeds everywhere, right? To in about a month or a two-month span one summer, it went to look like something on HGTV, man. It was like unbelievable. They must have spent 60, 70,000 bucks to landscape this thing. It was it's beautiful. The problem is weeds come And it happened at this house. And then, you know, the next summer, it's just looking like it was again. And I'm not criticizing them. I would have done the same thing. But the point is, things pop up in good soil. And here he tells us what things, if you allow in your life, will eliminate and choke you out from the real fruit that God wants for your life. Here it is. Look at it. He tells you point blank. When the ones that are fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked. Look at this. It's so United States 2020 with cares and anxieties and worries. Was, listen, folks, we had this year the greatest opportunity maybe in my lifetime. And I'm young. I'm kidding. I'm not that young. I'm 53, so... But maybe the greatest opportunity in our lives, maybe the greatest opportunity in all of my life to shine the gospel. Because the world was like, you know what the world was like? When you go to the jewelers, they don't set diamonds on a white blanket. They set diamonds on a black blanket that, you know what I'm talking about? What It's not a blanket, but you know what I mean. Yeah, velvet. Why? So the, the diamond will shine and you'll go, wow, I'm buying that. See, this was the greatest year to shine the light of Christ. Bar none, it was the greatest year to shine the light of Christ. In the world of confusion, hatred, uh, division, you could be, we can be, we ought to be a beacon of light for everybody that's around us. But here, if we give up and and bring cares into our world, like we start complaining, oh man, 2020 is such a crappy year. Oh man, that's so bad. Really? God has a purpose for you right here, right now. Don't let the cares of the world choke you out. Don't let the care, don't let the bills choke you out. God will provide. Don't let the this choke you out. How about this one? Riches. I I know, listen, there's a range of socioeconomic people in here, big range. But if you live in this country, I'm telling you, folks, you're relatively rich. You just go to a third world country and see, you're rich. But we always want, as Rockefeller said, you say, Rockefeller, how much money is enough? Just a little more. There's never enough, folks. And if you set up the kingdom of your world to be riches, you're going to choke out what God wants to do in your life. Can you have riches? Yes. Of course, if you use them for God glory and your riches don't possess you. Okay, look at this. This is unbelievable that this was written this long ago. Pleasures choke out what God wants to do in your life. I mean, pleasures. Now, listen, is anyone against arrest and hobbies? No, but you know, here's what we do. Oh man, I'm, I'm studying the word. It's so amazing. I went through the Bible call. So amazing. And then here's what people do. And man, now, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to buy the new ski mobile and uh, I know it's coming. And so here's what I'll do. I'll see you in the spring. I got a new ski mobile, and, and I'm going to do... Listen, there's nothing wrong with ski mobiles. Nobody likes to be outside more than me. Maybe, maybe my friend over here, he loves to be outside. But when the riches of this world start to choke out the Word of God, look, folks, you got a problem. And the problem is you're not going to grow eternally. It's gonna, you're going to be choked out. Pleasures of this world, movies, sports everything can crowd you in. What if you were just single-minded towards the Lord, just devoted to the Lord, staying close to the Lord, seeking his opportunities and his will, and sharing his love and light in a hurting world? What if you were doing that? I guarantee you we would, listen folks, I'm convinced the money we spend on counseling, which I'm not against counseling, don't send me an email, I'm convinced all that goes with that would be just poof, slashed if we would just be single-minded, but we have phones and they're driving us to anxiety at levels that have never been seen. And we have entertainment and we have and we're not settled. and here the Lord tells us, you want pleasures, you think they're pleasurable. What do you think the enemy of your souls wants you to partake in? Riches? pleasures, propping your own self up, building your kingdom, and never serving. If you do, the world teaches you that you'll be fine and great. The Bible says you're going to be miserable. You'll only gain that. You'll never gain eternity. So he says, there are those. But yeah, good news. Others fell on good ground, verse 8, sprang up and yielded a crop hundredfold. Don't don't you want If you're a surrendered, born-again believer in Jesus Christ, don't you just want the crops just flowing out of your life? Not so people can say, wow, you're such a nice guy. No, that the Lord could be glorified, that many could come and be saved, that the Lord would use you, not the Lord does it, I get it, but that the Lord would use you for eternity a hundredfold. Well, it falls on good ground. And what is good ground? But the ones, verse 15, that fell on the good ground are those who, look at this, folks. You can't just be a Sunday morning Christian who has all the journals. Oh, man, I've got, you know what? I've got Leviticus indexed right here. It's uh, color coordinated. It's in my Bible. I've got all the charts and the maps. God bless you. And then you go home and you don't do it. Having heard a noble and good heart, you keep it. And you keep bearing with patience. Are you catching this? You ever, I haven't, but anybody here like to grow or be a farmer? I mean, yeah, you you, you put the stuff in the ground. Listen to this. You just back away and you just watch the Lord do his work. That's what he wants to do with your life. Just keep at it. Listen, listen. Keep at the word. Keep at the word. Keep at the word. But then when you go out of here, as you hear God say, you will be a person who will bear long with people. I mean, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm really not that smart. But listen to this. Even I can figure this one out. When the Lord calls us to be long sufferers, we hear it in here. We go out those doors. And the test is coming. And it often comes with people who it's very difficult to suffer long with. The test is out there. Actually, sometimes the test is in here. But anyway, you keep it and you bear fruit with patience. What are you doing as a farmer? You just keep looking to the Lord. You keep looking to the Lord. Now listen. Before I close, I can't believe this. I've already studied for next week. I don't even have to study. This is great, because I didn't get very far. (laughs) But here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. I believe these are, see, when I read this right here, do you do what I do? My mental Rolodex is going, well, who's that person? Who's the number one category? Let me think of somebody who's the number one category. Okay, I got them. Number two person, who's that number two person? Number two category, oh yeah, got her, got her. Yep, she's like that. Number three, okay, who's number three? Let me point my fingers at number three. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and then all of us say it. Oh, but praise the Lord, I'm in number four. And yes, there are people who fall into this category, but I don't think it's necessarily for us to pick out people. See, I think it's the condition of my heart too. Also, at different times. sometimes i'm just walking with the people the lord says something to me and it just it's gone it didn't even affect me sometimes i receive the word and it's joyful to me but then rocks are there and i you know just nothing it doesn't take any root and when i go outside Nothing happens. Sometimes it's wow, this is amazing. I go out and, and the Lord's using and doing stuff. And then then this happens and this happens and this happens. And then now I have no time for the Lord. And the Lord is like, well, where have you been, man? And then there's this other times of just sweet fellowship with the Lord, where He's just working and chiseling and hammering in the best way, and then healing. And putting me back together, and it's beautiful. And I think he's doing it to all of us. Now listen, before we go. What does Jesus do in this chapter? He stresses to us that we are to be people of the word who do the word. That's what he's stressing here. And next week, we're going to talk about the purpose of the parables. But before we go, listen. Somebody might be here and doesn't know the gospel. So what are we talking about? You've been talking kind of around it. Well, here we're going to talk about right at it. Real quick, listen to this. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, here's the word of the Lord. Here's what I'm doing. Watch this. Everybody look up here. I, just because I'm standing up here, but easily it could be you, I'm taking the seed and I'm going like this. Whoo. And if you were up here, you'd do the same. It's not, I'm something great. You'd do the same. And here's the seed. Here's the gospel. It's famous. It's in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Here's the gospel. Have your ears perk up. For by grace, you have been saved. How do you get saved? By the grace of God. By God doing everything, providing all of it for you. For by grace, you have been saved. How do you access salvation? You access salvation through faith, trust, belief, dependence. And it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. If I was going to give you a a great gift, this guitar, and I held this gift up here to Catherine or uh, Grace or somebody, I would just hold it up here for them. It becomes their gift when they come and grab it. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's a gift from God, salvation is. He's holding it out here. Jesus Christ, not of works. If you think you're getting to heaven by works, you're missing it. Because anyone would boast on works. I'm better than you. I've been to more studies than you. I'm the pastor. You're not. That would be boasting. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, hold on. Just stay tuned for one more minute. By grace, we're saved through faith. You say to yourself, because the Scriptures say, listen to this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's the standard God set. You've fallen short of it because of sin. If you've ever sinned, have you ever coveted everything? Oh, yeah. Have you ever lied about something? Oh, yeah. Have you ever sold something? Yep. Have you uh, um, lusted after something? Uh Uh-huh. Have you taken the Lord's... uh, Yeah. Have you not rested in the Lord? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, man, I'm really a sinner. (laughs) Maybe so are you. Well, you are. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says the wages, the penalty for the sin, is spiritual death. In other words, people who haven't surrendered their lives to Christ have a cataclysmic eternal problem. And the problem is if they've fallen short of the glory of God, their penalty is death, spiritual death. Who in the world wants spiritual death? Don't raise your hand. I mean, maybe you will, but nobody, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish, shouldn't have eternal death, but have eternal life. How does it happen? Romans tells us, if you'll repent, if you'll repent, or Acts tells us, if you'll If you'll repent, if you'll turn and recognize you're a sinner and move towards God and His grace, you change your life. You go from one who has never repented, but you turn toward God and you say, God, I just want to count on your finished work. I want you to pay the penalty for my sins. I read to you today in communion, I read to you uh, chapter 1 of Colossians, by His blood we are saved. And we're returned to the Father for eternal life. So instead of eternal death, we'll have eternal life. And Romans tells us how to do it. We repent, Acts tells us, and believe. Romans says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus died, rose from the dead. That's what you're to believe. And here's what we're going to do. My job here today was just to go into the bag of the Word of God and go, whew. But listen, I'm hoping it falls upon soil number four. There might be somebody in here who you say, well, are you going, you have eternal life? And they go, I don't know. I just explained to you how you can have eternal life. If you have the Son, Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. If you believe in the sun and trust in the sun, you have eternal life. Eternal life, which means when you've been in heaven ten thousand years, bright shining at the sun, you have no less days to sing God's praise than when you first begun. That's how long eternity is. Forever. You say, "Well, this is a bunch of I don't know." See. This is the most important thing you'll ever hear. Not because it came from me, but because it's in the Word and it's what the Lord is trying to say. Remember what Christians are trying to do? Just trying to get people to pay attention. Here, I'm just asking you to pay attention. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. If there's anybody in here who doesn't know whether they're going to heaven, I want you to pray this prayer that we're going to pray. If you've strayed from the Lord... If your heart is in category one, two, three, and you want to come back and have good soil. By the way, Jeremiah 4 tells us how to have good soil, <laughs> circumcise our hearts, break up the fallow ground. In other words, say to the Lord, Lord, I've been prideful, and I need to renounce that pride and move towards you. So here we go. Do that. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you as sinners. We recognize that the Bible tells us, and you tell us, that we are all sinners. And that the penalty for sin is death, spiritual death. But that there's a provision in Christ Jesus. And if we count on Jesus, Lord, you tell us, by his death and resurrection, we'll be forgiven and raised to new life. So, Lord, if there's somebody in here, I just pray. I just pray, Lord, that they would raise their hand, everybody heads bowed, they would just raise their hand and say, I want to just follow the Lord and accept him as my Savior. Count on him for the finished work of Jesus Christ, or his finished work of Jesus Christ for my eternal life. Just raise up your hand. If you want to do that, just raise up your hand. And if there's somebody here who feels like they're in soil one, two, three, want to be in soil four, I just want you to pop your hand up and uh, Let's pray together uh, as we do that. And God bless you guys. God bless you. Well, Lord, we do. We come here and we thank you uh, for your provision, your son Jesus. And in him, uh, we're trusting, Lord, for our salvation. Lord, break up the fallow ground of our hearts. Help us to circumcise the fleshly part of our so that you could sow to the spirit in there, that you'd find good soil in here and that the word of God would stick, your word would stick so to speak and do its mighty work and then Lord go out and love and bear long and suffer with many who are hurting and give them the gospel too. Lord for those who've raised their hands today I just pray that they would come up and talk Lord for us who haven't, and there probably are some here who are too prideful to do it, I just help, I pray that you would uh, break down the walls of that pride. and We could come to you humbly for our salvation. Lord, help us this week to be a light shining in a dark world. It is Christmas, Lord, but it's Christmas because of Emmanuel, God with us. You came to be with us, and now you live inside of us. Man, oh man, what a message. Thank you that we know it and can see it. And we know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.